0: welcome to oh my lord chicago history you never learned in school today i am joined by david baxter of multiple podcasts
1: hello hi yeah i'm one of those weirdos who has multiple podcasts because why not and a day job yeah and a day uh, yeah we're working on that (laughs) yeah
0: yeah (laughs) and how are you today
1: I'm doing all right. It's been, it's been, it's been a week, a weekend, something or other. I was out in Connecticut this weekend and I always, this sounds something. I have family that has summers and just the fact that I have family that like does the verb summer Uh makes me realize what type of people I come from and that I can't really like (laughs) claim that I'm working class. Right. and so, yeah, we were out dealing with moving stuff into the storage unit for the beach house because we're about to be, my parents are, they're going to be upgrading grandma and mama's beach house now that she's passed away and they've inherited it. It's so, yeah. first world problems. Exactly. Yeah. It was also funny because one of her friends from, because she lives in Texas, came up with her. This is a woman who has flown once in her life. Oh. And so they drove from Texas to Connecticut, which was fine. But there was a little bit of, I don't say this to make fun of her. I say this to, it, re, it made me realize like that my experience is not universal. I knew my experience was not universal, but that's just, oh, I've never had, had did, it, what, what do clams taste like? And I don't know why I'm giving her a
0: Midwestern accent, but I thought it was a little bit,
1: <laughs> but you know what? That's sort of just, oh, okay, I'm, mm, yes. Or like
0: the moments where you just realize I've been there, how snobby you are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like it's, and it's just
1: there. And it's not intentional. It's just that. Yeah. It's like when my cousin got married, he got married to some, he met a girl in Portland and there was a bit of that at the wedding too. Just like the family, her family talking about some of the things and some of the people. And yeah, it was just one of those. It's just one of those things. Nobody okay. was mean. No, but like nobody on the other side was mean. There was no meanness. It was just like that. Experiences are not
0: universal. I I remember going to college mm-hmm. and coming home and being to my dad. Dad, there are people that have never had brie, <laughs> and he's like, "When will the humanity ever end?"
1: <laughs> I think it was on TikTok. There was somebody who was like, "What's like the widest thing you've ever said?" <laughs> and, I didn't have time to do like the full explanation, but there was a time where I worked at Starbucks.
2: Okay. And
1: the manager took us out to a place. It's called City Island. It's in New York City. She took us out there. There was some sort of like building thing that Starbucks gave the managers some money to go do something team building. So she took us out to dinner at this place called City Island where that's a lot of seafood. And so we're all sitting there eating. And I think we had all paid for our own drinks. So we had, we were all a little drunk as well. and. I had finished and I think, I think it was that my manager was like not going to finish her lobster and she didn't like it. Or something to the fact she didn't, she had something she didn't like it or didn't finish it, wasn't, didn't want to take it home because she was like, I don't want to have this coal. It was one of those types of things. Uh, mm-hmm. One, of one of those options, pick one. Anyway, she had food that she was left over and she was like, do you want to finish it? And I was like, sure. My fork dropped on the floor. And so she was like, oh, you can just have mine and slid that over. I was about three or four glasses of wine and maybe a margarita into the meal and I drunkenly slur I can't use that that's the salad fork (laughs) and everyone looked at me like you dumb idiot
0: I we gotta get into this I worked in a quote-unquote fine dining Mm -hmm. but they did have the utensils the, the whole setup Mm -hmm. soup spoon and i would just crack up that people they'd move all the silverware over to one side oh no or they just didn't like and you're like you're acting like you're so fancy Mm -hmm. and you don't even know how silverware works yeah my favorite review that i ever got was that the server kept taking away the silverware (laughs) <laughs> which is how you do it in fine dining. If yeah. They're not going to have the soup. My point is mm-hmm. by that point in time, the salad fork should have been off the table.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This wasn't like the most fine dining, but this wasn't like my parents have talked about going, I think it's called commander's table in new Orleans, where there's a whole thing of the way the table is set up. lets the the staff know what needs to be done next. So like, When somebody comes to, if somebody's taking your drink, they like move the salt shaker over to a different spot to thing. So, yeah, this wasn't a type of place where they're going to, they'll clear their silverware between dinner and dessert.
0: Okay. They're not going to get, yeah. 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 All right. So totally changing the subject, what is the most horrific accident that you've seen happen on stage or in a theater?
3: Ooh,
1: what is the most, I've actually have, oh wait, I, or know of, I know of a couple different ones. I'm trying to think of what I've seen. I remember watching, I remember Houston Ballet did Giselle and one of the corps de ballet completely wiped out during one of the Willie's number and took somebody down with her, but they all just popped back up and just kept going. And then, the funniest one is that a friend of mine went to go see a, a musical called The Apple Tree. Okay. And Kristen Chenoweth was in it. Chenoweth, Chenoweth—I've always forgot. Anyway, that that woman <laughs> was yes. in it, and there was a scrim or something that got caught. Okay. And it wasn't visible, and it wasn't audible, except it was audible to Kristen on the stage. Okay, got it. And so she could, so she just stepped, started just not discreetly, like covering her mouth and projecting out to the audience, like cupping her hand <laughs> and then asking everybody, anytime somebody would come in on a scene, she, in character, would ask them if they fixed the light or if they're here to fix the light. Okay, got it. I did see Spider-Man turn off the oh. dark, but I saw the very first I saw it opening night of Broadway, so by then, it was just boring and not death-defying.
0: Okay. I followed Spider-Man. This one, I have two. I didn't see one, but it impacted me, Mm. was, are you aware of the musical The Pirate Queen?
1: Yes, I saw it on its limited Broadway run.
0: (laughs) It pre-Broadwayed in Chicago.
1: That's what I heard, yeah.
0: And Stephanie Block fell from something. I don't remember if she fell.
2: shopify.com slash realm
0: into a pit or a trap or something
1: there was rig climbing there was like a pirate ship
0: yes i i saw it pirate i saw it yeah oh Um, that's right sorry yes but (laughs) I don't remember much of it. But I, mean, I was about just, to say, I only I remember the two
1: things I really remember is that they set the stage on fire at the end of act one and then Queen Elizabeth and her maidens, the outfit design reminded me of those cupcake dolls from the eighties where like you flip them up, you flip their yeah. skirts up and their cupcakes and you flip them down and their girls in dresses.
0: I don't even remember that. Yeah, they were trying to keep it out of the press that she fell. Okay, so I would have to go to her corporate apartment mm-hmm. and bring her food. Okay, like I had to take, take on like the, on like the down low, take care of Stephanie Block. Interesting. Um, okay, wow. Yeah, it was actually even funnier to bring it into the whole Christian channel with Kate Reinders was in town playing Wicked, mm-hmm. or was getting ready to come into town playing Wicked. And Stephanie Block's husband is Kate Reiner's or her boyfriend at the time, I think is her husband now, mm-hmm. was Kate Reinders' ex-boyfriend. Okay. So just sitting there gossiping with Stephanie Block and her <laughs> boyfriend. And- which you have to keep it on the download. You wanted to get on. like This was like when broadwayworld.com was like the chat board. And mm-hmm. you want to be like, yeah, I just went and hung out. The other one was there's a Chinese dance troupe. And I didn't see this one. Chinese acrobats, but it was a dance troupe. Okay. And one of the dancers like played into the orchestra pit. Oh my. Okay. Wow. That's... Yeah. That one was pretty horrifying. <laughs> yeah. What do you know about the Iroquois theater fire?
1: Oh, I know nothing about the Iroquois Theater Fire.
0: All right. Good. We're So I it forgot. It sounds horrific. <laughs> I apologized up front for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be like the... Just the way
1: you've presented it, I don't think it's going to be like the whatever the incident was that caused the guy to write Phantom of the Opera because he did attend an opera performance where the chandelier fell, but it only killed one person. And it's a hor- it's- it only killed one person. but like-
0: <laughs> Yeah. I learned about the deadliest single building fire in U.S. history during my first week in theater school. Oh, so this
1: is even surpasses the triangle shirtwaist. Yes. Wow. Oh. Okay.
0: More people died in this fire than the 1871 Great Chicago Fire. Wow. To put it in perspective, 250 to 300 people perished in the Great Chicago Fire, 602 in the Iroquois. Holy, that's like the whole theater.
1: Or half if you're looking at a Broadway house, but like, that's a, that's a lot.
0: It's a lot. It's a lot. It's also worth noting that after the 1871 Great Chicago Fire, we had some subsequent ones. And we had and do have some of the strictest fire codes in the country. Okay. Which someday I'll do episodes on all that, but it's a longer story. Mm-hmm. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, Theater and venue fires were as common as train derailments in
3: 2023.
0: Yeah. Iroquois, billed as, quote unquote, absolutely fireproof.
1: Of course it was. Of course it was.
0: (laughs) Of course it was. Opened on November 23rd,
1: 1903.
0: Okay. The venue cost over $1.1 million to build, mm. which is over $34 million by today's standards. Okay, wow. Yes. Though construction had only started months prior. So we've got a theater that cost a lot of money to, to build, and it's a proscenium arch. It's downtown. They built it in a few months.
1: Okay, so... Yeah. Obviously, with the best of everything.
0: The best of, oh, wait till we get there. Yeah. They had to open it so they could get those Chicago theater goer cri- bucks. They wanted to mm-hmm. get the money from the Christmas theater goers okay. to see with Mr. Bluebeard, which is a children's musical described as. A French folktale. The -hmm, mm -hmm. best-known version appeared in 1697. The storyline has various permutations, but the basic plot always includes a blue-bearded, wife-killing nobleman. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he marries a girl who brings an end to his murderous ways. Other times, he himself is murdered.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, great plot for a children's show.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it's yeah, I, I'm familiar with that story <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: and the. Okay. Uh, are are you? Mm-mm. Oh, it's basically he marries her and tells her like, you can go anywhere you want, just don't go into that
0: room. <gasps> uh, yes. Yeah, I did see that, and sometimes, I write a little bit about it in me, yeah. But we're we're not doing what- a musical.
1: Yeah. Once she finally goes to the room, it's, oh, there's all these dead bodies, Which
0: Wouldn't they, I had more questions than not, but this is not a thank you five podcast.
1: (laughs) This is also that time where they were making musicals out of anything back then. If you ever look into L. Frank Baum's career, L. Frank Baum's career is just like half of, a good chunk of his career is him like recycling the story plotline of The Wizard of Oz, but just changing all of the names and characters. And redoing it because someone else wants to do a musical.
0: Okay, so a lot of creativity.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It gets weirder in this children's show. Mm -hmm. The big name was Eddie Foy. Okay. Who played Sister Anne. Like you do. So for at least part of the production, he was in drag. He would be banned in Florida. He would be banned in Florida. In fact, he frequently performed in drag. Mm -hmm. This was a children's musical. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to put that in perspective as to what was acceptable in 1903 versus Mm -hmm.
3: 2023.
0: Yeah. Now Florida is banning reading Shakespearean plays.
1: Because, yeah, exactly.
0: Boy was a Chicagoan and he survived the 18th. That's the the Mrs.
1: O'Leary Cow one.
0: Yes, that's the Mrs. O'Leary Cow one. Eddie Foy was starring in this. The architect was Benjamin Marshall, who was 29 at the time. And this is according to a website dedicated to him. Okay. Marshall's influence on Chicago's architecture was significant as he was responsible for the development of many of the city's iconic landmarks. Marshall was known for his ornate and grandiose designs, which often featured Intricate details and luxurious materials. He was also a master of scale, often creating designs in an effort to capture the grandeur of his surroundings. The website does not list a single building that he designed, but you can donate. Okay. I'm an architectural tour guide, Mm -hmm. but I'd never heard of this guy. But Luckily, Wikipedia a-pedia, was more helpful. He designed the Blackstone Theater, which is now the Merle Ruskin Theater, which mm-hmm. is owned by my alma mater, the theater school at DePaul University. Mm-hmm. Now I might know why we did fire curtain drills all the time. <laughs> From Failure Magazine. There's a Failure Magazine?
1: Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I knew that there's the Museum of Failure, but I didn't realize there was like a full magazine. But I guess that makes sense.
0: That makes sense. I just never had a topic be such a failure that it made it into Failure Magazine. Yeah. For the city, this is from Failure Magazine, for Mm. the city, the Iroquois was not just a new venue. It was an attraction that positioned Chicago to surpass New York as the center of the theater universe mixing the best of the old world with the latest innovations in lighting and design. The Iroquois was, as they say, the talk of the town.
1: Was it? I don't mean to be like a theater snob as we've been talking about snobbery, but I can't tell how much of that is hype and how much of that is it I was... guess the way I yeah. guess part part of the way I think about it is there's stuff like Galveston was actually the bigger and more attractive city other before Houston until the hurricane of 1901 wiped Galveston off the map. And then everybody survived who moved inland and Houston became the bigger city. So there was like, you could have a conversation about what was set to do what, when, and where, and then there's stuff like, well, like this city is poised. To, it's it, there's the always threatening to secede. Long Island is always threatening to become in its own state. Sort of a thing, which you're like, this is never going to happen, but somebody brings it up every now and then.
0: Well, I think that there's a complex relationship between Chicago and New York. Chicago mm-hmm. is really, in current day, really mm-hmm. happy to be the pre-Broadway town, mm-hmm. um, and the long run town. Now, I want to say 2011, 2012, some journalist at the New York Times did a piece about why it's great to be a New Yorker. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they said was Chicago is our farm team for actors. At that point in time, Tracy Letts was on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And they, the Chicago actors, wrote a letter to the editor saying, we work here, we live in Chicago. So there's always going to be a tension there. Okay, okay. I don't think it was ever going to be – I don't think it was going to surpass New York as the center of the theater universe, but they were getting into grandiose Mm -hmm. venues. That was the thing. So what went wrong? According to the History Channel, quote – In fact, George Williams, Chicago's building commissioner and fire inspector, Ed Laughlin, looked over the theater in November 1903 and declared that it was, quote, fireproof beyond all doubt, end quote. They also noted it's 30 exits, 27 of which were double doors. However, at the same time, William Clendenin, the editor of Fireproof magazine also inspected the Iroquois and wrote a scathing editorial about its fire dangers, pointing out that there was a great deal of wood trim, no fire alarm and no sprinkler system over the stage.
1: I'm still hung up on the fact that in what 1901, 1903 Nineteen oh three. there was a magazine called fireproof
0: we had some fire problems here in the city yeah no i just imagine
1: <laughs> we had some a
0: mayor, yeah we had a mayor run on the fireproof
1: party i i, I just this idea of martha <laughs> come bring me my fireproof magazine and my four-minute eggs and my coffee oh. to sit with my breakfast and my dog before i go to the bank
0: <laughs> this story unlike the non-existent sprinkler system in the Iroquois theater sprays so many fields. Mm. Remember, it opened end of November 1903. This brings us up to December 30th, 1903.
1: So they at least have gotten a couple runs of Black Beard or Blue Beard for the children's Christmas season. The children got to see the disembodied wives Yes.
0: (laughs) This was during a matinee, Mm -hmm. a weekday matinee, which is attended predominantly by affluent women and children.
1: Oh, good. This is going to go really well.
0: Since it was Christmas break, the venue, which held 1,602, was standing room only with 1,804 in attendance. Oh, boy. Plus a 75-person crew, and people traveled from 86 different cities. Okay. The stage manager opted to sit in the audience that day.
1: Oh, this sounds bad.
0: The stagehands left the theater to get a drink. Okay. (laughs) The actors were singing a song something under a blue moon or something. Hmm. When a calcium lamp shorted creating a spark in an area full of wooden props, oily rags, and muslin curtains.
1: Does it, did you get any information what a calcium lamp is?
0: It's just like a spot lamp, like a oh, okay. hanging spot lamp. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's best I can tell. Hmm. The Iroquois was so state of the art The audience thought it was a special effect. Uh Uh-oh. The stagehands used one of the two on-site firefighting tools that they had, which was Killfire. That's spelled F-I-R-E. Like the fire festival. Mm -hmm,
3: mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: So anyone not listening... Fire, spelled that way, was a grifter musical festival created by Billy McFarland and Ja Rule. If you want to know more about it, check out the Netflix documentary. That's the best one.
1: are Kill- talking about doing it again.
0: Uh, yeah, no.
3: Like, yeah, anyway.
1: Back to this. Kill
0: Fire. Mm-hmm. They have six tubes of this dry white powder. The label says to throw forcibly. Do not sprinkle. Which if I'm fighting a fire I'm throwing forcibly whether or not the label Tells me to or not
1: Yeah like. However
0: Since the fire started On the lighting grid They're trying to flow, Throw up mm-hmm. So the kill fire Wafted back down to the floor Proving to be as useful as Billy McFarland mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The blaze it worked its way up a curtain to the overhead flats, the fly zone. The hang- mm-hmm. those are people not familiar. They're hanging set pieces above the mm-hmm. stage, which were all covered with flammable paint.
1: Of, yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: It was that was illegal even back then. Okay. So embers begin to sprinkle on the cast.
1: Oh wow, that's.
0: But the show must go on, and they're professionals, so they keep singing and dancing. Oh, no, yeah. Apparently, some woman passed out from one of the actresses passed out from smoke inhalation.
1: That does that.
0: Eddie Foy was the first number of the second act, I believe, Mm -hmm. during the second act, so it's about three o'clock in the afternoon. Eddie Foy. Had brought his six-year-old son to see the show, but because it was sold out, he was sitting on a stool in the wings for non-theater people is what we call the backstage area right off the stage.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Eddie is in his dressing room, and at first he thought it was a fight that was breaking out because apparently the stagehands had a fight earlier.
1: These uh, are not the ones who are at the bar, or these were the no, ones who a at different the bar. performance. Okay,
0: two, yeah, two dueling factions. <laughs> he then realizes what's happening. Mm-hmm. He goes to get his kid, mm-hmm. but because he's a survivor of the great Chicago fire, he fathoms that there's going to be panic. Mm-hmm. So he hands his son Brian off to a stagehand saying, Get him out of here, and he goes. On the stage to alleviate the audience anxiety. Mm -hmm. WTTW is our local PBS. Mm -hmm. And the documentary that I watched, they depict him on stage in drag. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just just want to throw that out there. The the, the documentary is illegal in Florida now, too. Yeah. There's a whole series
1: of... Even beyond drag queen, not to go on too much of another tangent, but mm-hmm. part of it going with this, with the the theater history of this, mm-hmm. female impersonation was always a big number in the vaudeville circuit. Yes, up into like the forties and fifties, this was still happening and seen as a family friendly venue, sort of a thing. Yes, I,
0: yeah. You know, yeah. Now, from the Chicago Tribune, suddenly. Blazing fabric rained down on the stage. The singers raced off one with a costume on fire. The audience began to bolt. Mm-hmm. Foy then ran on stage, raised his hands and tried to calm the crowd for a moment. The panic eased. but the draft from the open stage door fed the flames. Oh no. A fireball leapt across the footlights and engulfed a velvet curtain.
3: Wow.
0: The actors are beginning to leave. They open the stage door, and it creates a backdraft. Mm -hmm. According to the History Channel, an asbestos curtain was to be lowered that would confine the fire. But when it wouldn't come down fully, a panic began. It later turned out to be made of paper, so it wouldn't have helped in any case. Soon, all the lights inside the theater went out, and there were stampedes near the open exits. And then, when the back door, then they bring up the the fireball again. Mm-hmm. So the fire bur- the fire curtain got caught about six feet above the stage. It got caught on a light, but it was okay. paper.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there's like cutting corners, and then there's that.
0: Oh, just you wait.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I'm ready.
0: Because the other thing they had, I remember I said they had one of two things to fight fire. The other is literally wood clubs.
1: Is this going to beat it to death? I don't
0: know what I, yeah. As we talked about the actors open the stage door and the fire curtain is caught about six feet above the stage. Mm-hmm. The actors open the stage door. The oxygen causes a backdrop, which crosses across the stage, travels under the curtain and into the balconies. Now, chaos commences. Yeah. Remember all those fire exits from the Tribune. That touched off a stampede for the 27 exits, some of which were hidden by drapes. Others were locked to foil gate crashers. Bodies slammed into bodies. Within minutes, tangles of corpses were piled seven feet high. Oh, no. As the living groped for an escape route over the dead, only to succumb themselves to gas, smoke, and flames. Jeez, uh, the architect whose name I don't remember mm-hmm. was aiming for aesthetics, so he covered the exits with curtains.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Additionally, the locatable exits opened inward, which isn't optimal when you're tr- when you have a mob of frightened people pressed against you. Yeah. It's a physics issue. Yeah. Back to the locked gates. That was to prevent people from the balcony to move to better seats. Okay. The ushers, the teenage ushers bolted. They they left the scene. Mm -hmm. Some of them forgetting that they had locked the doors. (laughs) Others, because this is 1903 and we don't have great labor relations, Fear of losing their jobs refused to unlock them.
1: While the fire is going on, they yes. were like, "We're not going to unlock it because yeah. we might get fired."
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. My first thing was thinking of like ushers who have a job and they go to school. Uh huh. But this is 1903. Yeah. They were supporting their families from the Smithsonian. As cast members realized the peril they were in, they opened a rear stage door to escape. The ballerina, trapped by her rigging, would not make it out of the theater alive. Yeah. It, it's bad. Yeah. Now, they go on to say, a few were fortunate enough, so there's an upper-level fire escape. And a few were fortunate enough to find the upper-level fire escape, only to realize it lacked an exterior ladder down to the ground oh jeez workmen in the building across the alley cantilevered planks to create a heart-stopping makeshift bridge saving a handful of patrons after the first two who attempted attempted it slipped and fell to their deaths
3: oh boy
0: who needs Fire escape ladders. Yeah, just you said there's cutting corners and there's cutting corners. Yeah, I think not putting fire escape ladders mm-hmm. is a corner that's cut being cut. Yeah, yeah. So in total, 150 people plummet to their death. Oof! They didn't have fire alarms or a phone backstage, so the stagehand had to go find a firebox, delaying the response.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: From the Tribune, by the time the firefighters fought their way inside, an eerie silence had fallen over the charred and blackened remains of the theater. Is there any living person here? One fire marshal shouted over and over. If anyone is alive in here, groan or make a sound. No one did. The whole incident Lasted about 20 minutes. Wow. Lest you think this is bad. It gets worse than learning a submersible is run by a remote control.
1: (laughs) Damn. It, 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 It gets worse from here.
0: There's no more death and destruction. The whole catastrophe stemmed from greed an arrogant disregard for regulations
1: of course why not
3: sure
0: we talked about cutting corners with construction Mm -hmm. they also paid off inspectors with comp tickets
1: i hope that those were season passes and not like a one-off
0: don't know. I did. I didn't find any yeah. reference to cash. Mm-hmm. They specifically mentioned comp tickets. Which, by the way, as someone who worked for seven years in commercial theater, that mm-hmm. tracks. Yeah, not paying off the officials, just bartering everything with comps. Yeah,
1: and for like most of the shows out there, very few shows are going to be at like a Hamilton level where that's going to be something worth a a. A good value like and you,
0: you're not going to get the comps to Hamilton yeah <laughs> I was a sponsorship manager there would be like shows you can't get tickets to like it's on yeah. the, the Lion King was very limited and what we could do because it was the Lion King which is not a musical we're going to discuss now because there's not a taget we need to get off
1: yeah it's like you're getting like 10 free tickets to go see the gazillion bubble show you're not it's not like
0: you're getting tickets to go see Savion Glover tap dance with his back to you. Yeah. That was a thing. Mm-hmm. In February 1904, five people are indicted for manslaughter. Going back to the Smithsonian, an official inquest focused on the theater owners, the architect, and city officials, who in turn were quick to point fingers including at the victims themselves.
3: I...
1: Okay, of course. Yeah, of course they would. I'm not...
0: Yeah. The owners who were Will J. Davis and Harry J. Powers, this is still from the Smithsonian, issued a statement in the Tribune blaming the audience for panicking despite being admonished to be calm and avoid any rush. The architect insisted there were ample exits had people not become, quote, panic-stricken and stunned, unquote.
1: See, the nice way of thinking about this is that whenever I watch reality TV, there's always a moment of everyone in the Twitterverse going, I would have done it differently. And everyone thinks that they would have done it differently that's the nicest way thing i can think about right now most of them are just like because i'm not talking i'm because right now because we're not talking about if you would have worn a specific dress on rupaul's drag race or if you would have been like friends with this person or that person on survivor we're talking about locking the fire doors and then being all like "Oh, all of you panicked
0: and they wouldn't have gotten out of it because There was a fireball heading towards the balcony. Yeah. Three years later, they face trial. Okay. The owner's lawyer claims that Chicago fire codes are illegal because they are stricter than the states. Mm -hmm. The judge instructs the jury to come back with a not guilty response. Can
1: judges do that?
0: Apparently in 1903. Yeah. I don't know when they changed the law in in Illinois, but I, as I discussed in my Captain Streeter episodes,
3: mm-hmm.
0: at one point in time, Chicago got their jury pool from outside of bars. Okay. <laughs> Valid. Got it, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is Chicago in 1903. Uh, we're less than 100 years old, and we are a town founded on crime and booze.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're just getting out of the time of medicine is like whiskey and cocaine. And right. People, and people are just learning about washing their hands.
0: Right. Ultimately, the only person who went to jail was <clears throat> the pickpocket who robbed the bodies of the people who plunged from the balcony.
1: Oh, damn.
0: Yeah. Again. Again. Who's in crime? There's still pick and, and Mickey Finn, Miles, and I talk about that. There's still mm-hmm. pickpocketing in Chicago. Yeah. This story didn't just arrest the attention of Chicago, but the whole country.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: The victims were affluent women and children. Unlike someone burning to death in a Tesla, mm-hmm. people worried it could happen to them. Yeah. Which resulted in safeguards from the Smithsonian. Days later, the Chicago Tribune ran a list of regulations that had been flouted by the Iroquois, including the lack of an adequate fire alarm, automatic sprinklers, marked exits, or suitable fire extinguishing devices. Even the two large flues on the rooftop were where the smoke and flame could have vented out were boarded shut.
1: Oh boy. (laughs) They're just really bad in a thousand here.
0: Absolutely fireproof. Yeah. The Smithsonian goes on to say the newspaper called for action. The only atonement that can be made to these hapless victims of negligence is to make the theater's, of Chicago absolutely safe so that none others may have their fate.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: The mayor went on and closed all of the theaters in the city until they could be inspected for safety. So for about six weeks, which is so very on brand for Chicago's mayors. The Iroquois fire, the, Results introduced more new regulations than current child labor laws in some states. So, here are a few public facing ones we deal with in society. We know we're aware of the fire exits must always be lit and on a separate power system, Hmm. which is one of the banes of any designer working in a small theater venue. They always try to put the blue gels over the exit sides. Uh, Yeah. The doors must open outward. Mm -hmm. And then they have the the bar that you press. Mm -hmm. That's from the Iroquois. Okay. And one less facing protection is called the fire curtain. I went to Wikipedia for the definition because I know what one is, but I don't really know how to describe it. You just, mm-hmm. it, it's, if you're in theater, it's like pornography. A fire curtain. When you see a fire curtain,
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's a safety curtain or fire curtain in America is a passive fire protection that fa- passive fire protection feature used in large proscenium theaters. It's usually a heavy fabric curtain located. Immediately behind the proscenium arch, asbestos based materials were originally used to manufacture the curtains before the dangers of asbestos were widely known. Mm-hmm. The safety curtain is sometimes referred to as the, an iron curtain or iron in British theaters, regardless of the actual construction material. Occupational safety and health regulations state that for safety curtain, for state the safety curtain must be able to resist fire for a short time to delay fires starting on stage to to delay fires starting on stage from spreading to the auditorium and the rest of the theater to provide additional exiting time for audience members and members of the staff.
1: It's like when like in fire drills in office buildings they're always telling us to make sure all the doors are closed.
0: When I was in theater we had to do crew and we would do fire drills like if you were an usher you had a door that you were signed to open.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I checked, I did a very informal social media, hey people who work in tech and theater, mm-hmm. and the fire curtain is checked. Once a year, it has to be mandatorily checked once a year. A lot of places do it more often. Also, because it works from keeping people getting on the stage in the middle of the day. True. Yeah. Another thing is that fire extinguishers and whatnot, they have a seal on them that they've been tested mm-hmm. and they work. And that came out of this. You might be wondering what happened to the Iroquois? Okay. The facade remained intact. And nine months later, it reopened as the Hyde and Baymans Music Hall. Later, it became the Colonial Theater. In 1925, it was demolished to make way for the Oriental Theater. Okay. After Garth Dabrinsky gave it a renovation, it became the Ford Center for Performing Arts, comma, Oriental Theater. Now, it is the James M. Niederlander Theater.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
0: A couple of things. The Ford money was gone by the time Broadway in Chicago, which was at the time a Clear Channel Niederlander joint venture. That money was Garth Dabrinsky. He by the way, just people who aren't aware of Garth Duprinsky, he went to jail for financial crimes.
1: Oh good times. Okay. Like he did.
0: Yeah. He did a Paradise Square.
1: Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah.
0: And Ragtime.
1: Oh, was he part of that that group that there was like the ad company a couple of years ago that was like in big trouble?
0: This was in the early 2000s He's Canadian oh, and he okay. had two sets of books And then uh, Let's just go with Problematic theater names we have In that one sentence yeah. I- Or in that one paragraph Iroquois mm-hmm. Colonial So after, I want to say 2016, 2017 They just decided that Oriental is not a good name for a theater And they renamed it after I call him Jimmy Sr. James F. <laughs> New and someday I will do an episode about the uh, transformation of Chicago's theater districts, and I will uh, explain all those names and share some funny personal anecdotes.
1: Just before you, before that, is Niederlander the same Niederlander as the Niederlander in New York? Yes. Okay.
0: Couch Place, which is the alley where 150 people jumped or fell to their death mm-hmm. because the owners didn't think... Fire escape ladders were important. It's okay. called Death Alley.
1: What, what, what else would it be
0: called? <laughs> right. I went to take a picture of the alley to tease it out on Facebook. It was maybe like five o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, the sun's facing this way. I can't get a really great picture in the light. And I went to the other side of the alley and it was the same light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a gas dyer, who... Played Alphaba in a sit down of Wicked at the Ford Center for Performing Arts, now Niederlander. Mm-hmm. She went on Biographies, Celebrity Ghost Stories, mm-hmm. and talked about seeing haunted people in the balcony, which I will include in the show notes. Mm-hmm. The alley's still there. It does now have a ton of Firescape letters. Mm-hmm. I'm going to save a lot of my final conclusions to tie it together with the next episode.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: What they thought when they were cutting corners is we can get to it later. Right. It wasn't, they were going to obviously put a fire escape ladder at some point in time. It was the rush to get it open so they could make money.
1: Yeah, it's that thing of, oh, uh, what's her face? Why am I blanking on the, like, your health and just a little prick. Shoot. Turtleneck, red lip.
0: Oh, oh, blood lady as I call her. Theranos. Yeah,
1: blood lady. Yeah, Theranos. Like she had, like (laughs) part of her whole thing. At least, according to the Hulu miniseries with Amanda Seyfried, which was, I watched
0: when I had COVID, yeah, yeah,
1: was if we can get it going, we'll have the money to get it done.
0: And it's also Enron. Mm-hmm. We can fix this. Mm-hmm. It's probably what Garth Dobrinsky did with his books.
1: Okay,
0: we can fix this if we can just get it going. Like you've got to make some money, and it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And. It's a story as old as time. Yeah. And, and you see the modern Theranos is an excellent Uber. Mm-hmm. We work. Yeah. Except for, I don't think, I don't know about Theranos. People might have died because of her. That's where it is. So, this is, as I said, part one of two parts of my most depressing topics to date. Mm. I'm reserving my final conclusions till the end of next episode. So okay. how are you doing after all that?
1: It's it's depressing, but also it seems that I I, I never quite know how to like, because I guess some of the things that I think about, can I compare today as well? Mm-hmm. There's a thing you, when you look at the past and you're just, what do you mean they didn't know about fire escapes and we're so much better in civilized today. And these are things we've gotten better on, but at the same time, there's so many other things where we haven't. And so I've been having that sort of like mixture of feelings of, I guess, maybe it's the fact that I'm a good little boot looking liberal who is trying to look on the positive side of things. And I'm saying that all with disdain and I'm, I am, I do, I am on the left side of things. So I'm not like that sense of, I do have those like tendencies to be, no, things have gotten better and there are things that have gotten better and there are things that are haven't. And I could imagine having the ability to escape a Broadway fire, but there are other places in New York where that is still an issue and there's. Other issues that have popped up, and it's making me think about all of those. So, yeah. It sucks how many times we have to have massive amounts of death happen in front of our face for us to get basic regulations, and in some cases, we can't even get that done.
0: Right. That's one of the things a historian brought up. Chicago is, aside from the Triangle Fire, Chicago Mm. is ground zero for learning about how to deal with fires and not deal with like how like there are reasons that the great chicago fire was able to get out of control yeah and we learned from it mm-hmm. and then this happened and we and the country learned from it but then and this is where you get to even now there are Corners being cut because they think they can go back and retroactively fix it.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Theranos is an excellent example. She thought, I think she has a tremendous amount of hubris. Mm -hmm. I don't know that she was evil. Yeah. She thought she could fix it. I've listened, we've all been there. You're behind on a target and a job, and you love it because you've got, I used to have to do daily updates on where I was. And every Mm -hmm. once in a while, I would up, I would flub it because I'm like, I can get there tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then you don't. And then you're just fucked. Mm -hmm. So I think it is a human, even in our own lives, we can look at where we cut corners and be like, oh, that'll be okay. Except for then there's a big mass scale issue. Then we're talking about what. Did you listen to the Tylenol murders? I did. Yeah the whole thing that they already had the tamper proof packaging Mm -hmm. and they just hadn't rolled it out yet because it was going to be more expensive. Mm -hmm. I'm betting they wish they had rolled it out before.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's depressing on one level on the other level is we're not special. Mm -hmm. We're not living in unprecedented times. Yeah, it's an opportunity to look and assess where we are. It's. I'll just throw this out there too. I had a bunch of IATSE guys on my boat a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. Okay. IATSE, by the way, is the stagehands union. Okay. We were talking about the Nederlander Theater, and one of the guys is, like, "Oh, you have a Nederlander here?" And he's, like, "Oh yeah, it's the old Iroquois."
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Stagehands know that story because people aren't just calling it the old. I worked for the company that owned. The building. I gave a tour and talked during the tour, but I gave uh, one day gave a tour of it, and all I remember is my coworker Jim. Mm -hmm. We call him Big Gay Jim, and he told a bunch of high schoolers or maybe junior high kids that it was rumored that maybe Judy Garland was conceived in the theater. (laughs) Okay, this would be probably why we never were allowed to give tours again. (laughs) So. Where can people find you on socials?
1: You can follow, or for if you are into Real Housewives, you can follow my Instagram Friends of the Countess. Yeah, friends of the Countess is Real Housewives. Thank You Five, which you've been on, is yes. musical theater that has a Twitter account. It's like a Thank You Five Pod. I'll, I can send you the information. because I, yeah, I, I always it forget me. which one I decided on, even though I just said it on these years ago. But Thank You Five podcast with Matt and David and friends of the countess and i have a personal twitter but i don't know if that's how much longer that's gonna last because it's twitter it's twitter i've I've been creating accounts on the all the other things as they come up and nothing's really grabbed me but also twitter is twitter yeah x as we should say
0: i do love your handle right now the Mm -hmm. what was it casa the the ken line
1: yeah uh i think it's because it my handle is usually has been carriage return for a long time. So it's like mojo dojo carriage house or carriage returns mojo dojo casa house or something it's like that. It's carriage
0: returns mojo. Dojo, yes, mojo. Yeah, Yes. I can't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. And if you can send those to me, I'll also pe- peeps sure. listeners. I'll throw them in the show notes. It'd be great. Yeah. Thank you. Everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, Say you enjoyed today's broadcast, but if you found it interesting, please hit the subscribe button faster than a Chicago bureaucrat can be bribed. <laughs> Leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Tune in next week when we discuss the SS Eastland. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine